This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. So this podcast is going to be conversations with people about their inner voice and how they've navigated the world in staying true to themselves and the challenges and the rewards that have come from doing so. And I think that this conversation of staying true to your own voice is really going to be important in the coming weeks and months and years as we navigate through the changes and transformations that this world, and especially this country, is going through. Because we live in a world where it's so easy to lose your voice. I'm going to pick all white keys, except I'm going to make F sharp and B's flat. What's that sound like? Oh, it sounds like this. And it tells you what the next thing to do is. So it's guiding you. Oh, yeah, it's guiding yeah, you. Yeah. you. You throw out an arbitrary idea right. and then you hit it with craftsmanship, which is synonymous, I guess, in a weird way with it's guiding you. I cannot sometimes express feelings through the world. I cannot sometimes tell people what I truly feel towards them or inner emotions, but I can express them through the dance, through the movements. And maybe maybe they will not get it, but I'll... I would definitely feel relieved. I'm holding a space that says, no, these are not shameful topics. No, this is not unnatural. No, this is not bad, wrong, dirty, sinful, period. We all come from sexuality. How on earth could that possibly be wrong? We are made of it. We are in it. It is in everything. It's, it's beautiful. I think for Americans, it, it, it's hard to grasp the fact that your country is in threat of not existing anymore. Mm -hmm. That the place that you were born to, the place that you are connected, like that your, where your ancestors have been buried for thousands of years, that all of a sudden you don't have access to that anymore. All of a sudden you are not allowed to go there anymore. That that is not yours anymore. Every playwright breathes a certain way. Every playwright has ideas and has a way that they want to present themselves or concerns that they have. I love working on Shakespeare because Shakespeare has such a big breath. He breathes so that the mountains shake. Mm -hmm. You know, his people are powerful, powerful people. And when they look at you, they look at you with thunder and lightning coming out of them. There's no pussyfooting around with those people. Mm-hmm. You know, they are a thousand percent present. I think that, you know, because of capitalism, we have been taught to think that our worth comes from our production. Yeah. And when you enter into a phase that is a sustained period of inactivity and you can't produce, either because you don't have access to whatever is required to make things mm-hmm. or your brain has ceased to allow you to do that. Yeah. This idea that has been beat into our heads as Americans since the second we were conceived. Yeah, we're not machines, right? Right. <laughs> everything falls apart. And so it's hard to like sit back and go like, I am valuable. I matter. My worth does not have anything to do with what I put out. Or how much money I make for someone else or how much money I have or what I create even, you know, like breathing and sitting quietly in the moment is enough.
So initially I just set out to make a film strictly about pizza and perhaps Naples because it was such a fascinating, chaotic, sexy, vibrant, like almost unlivable place. I mean, mm. it's these strange dichotomies and it's just such a fascinating place. It has this crumbling beauty, this architecture that's crumbling, but all the history of all the invasions and et cetera. So, so the film initially was just going to be about that, but then pretty quickly early on, this the same aforementioned friend who had pizza with me the first mm. time, later on, she her name is Paola and she came down to visit me during my first expedition for filming. And I remember we, we were in a agriturismo and we were looking at the footage and she saw my footage and she said, you know, you're not really just making a film about pizza. You're making a film more so about Aranjarsi. And I remember her saying, Mateo, Mateo, <laughs> <laughs> not just pizza. I think singing for me has always been sort of like my special gift. And I discovered my voice when I was young, you know, a tween and, and pretty much have been riding that wave in different forms my entire life because it came very natural. And, you know, I studied and I took lessons and I practiced a lot, but I always had that thing that kind of came with, that was my special gift. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to, to find it. And in my, you know, the early years of my career, it was just about singing and how well I could sing. And I think as to, over time, you sort of learn about other things. You learn that, oh, well, learning how to write is very important and learning how to perform is very important. And, oh, I need to play some instruments because I want to be more self-reliant, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But that ability to sing was gifted to me. And I've just, you know, pointed it in different directions over the years, you know, based on my environment. And and I said this thing and I'm like, three or four, I'm like, what are you looking at? Go get your own TV. <laughs> Something really mean, right? It was like and in Chinese and and it was so out of character, it was like what I was I was just copying how the adults mm -hmm. were being. And there was this little tiny voice. It was a voice and it completely was inside my chest. And it was it was warm. It was angelic, I guess. It was warm because it was so familiar and, and I felt love. And it goes, why did you do that? It was like talking to me. And I go, I don't know. <laughs> and I was, I was having this conversation, you know, and I'm this little baby. And then she goes, don't forget who you are. And I, and I start crying. I was like, I did. I forgot. I already forgot who I was. I already forgot. And, and she goes, go and apologize to him. And I go, okay. And I went and I, I told the little boy, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that to you. Please come and watch TV anytime you want. That wasn't me. I was trying to, like, there was a distinct difference between who I was, mm -hmm. right? Like, who I was born to be, and then the different ways that I started to not be. Other than the fact that it's cool, it was a click, you know, an inner click that you just know mm -hmm. it's the right thing. And it wasn't rebellion, which. And it what because people are like, you can't do both. You can't, how can you do this? But it was just, it was like, because it felt like I had to. It felt like I could breathe. You know, I, yeah. that's like, to not do it would, would kill me. Like, I love chiropractic. Don't get me wrong. And I think chiropractic is wonderful. And I'm so excited about it. But if I had to not do chiropractic, I'd be okay. If I couldn't do the TCM in some form, I think that crushed me. And there would be times where I'd be performing a song, look down, look back up, and I'm seeing people like wiping tears out of their eyes. Wow. Or, you know, and then that's that's whatever moment I knew was like you're you're spitting out and you're just you're you're letting out a energy, a form of energy, um, through sound waves mm -hmm. and words. 
and it's affecting the the, the masks. So I, and, and and that was then like, okay, music is a powerful tool. So what's hilarious is I cut my hair to free myself, but then through freeing myself, booked a job in what I was trying to force happen all this time. And then they gave me bangs, which has now transitioned into my signature look within music. So it's just, it's funny how when you allow yourself to, you know, do whatever you want to do, as simple as cutting your hair, how it can Mm -hmm. lead to a monumental shift in your life. To me, creativity is an expression of our whole multidimensional selves within one stroke of a paintbrush or one glance of reaction in a dialogue or one sustained note in a musical riff. Creativity is our entirety within one expression. It is the vessel of allowing our truest, most authentic nature and voice to be expressed in a tangible way. It is the outward expression of reflecting the multidimensional layers of our inner landscape. Creativity is the truest, most authentic version of ourselves, which, if you get down to it, is the expression of creation itself. The energy of creation, which at its core is the energy of the essence of love. Because the thing about ADHD is your brain is overactive. You're constantly thinking. So there's so much creativity going on there. You don't know what to do with it, that it just blocks everything else that is coming your way and makes it seem less important because you know you're creating something important. You know you have a great idea in your mind, but nobody's letting you get it out there because they're worried about your grades. They're worried about you learning something theory that you're never going to use, you know, and it's just, it puts so much unwanted stress when you'd be using your creativity and gear it towards something amazing and something that can help people. Because when you really put your heart into something, it's going to work. And on this planet at this time in your life, the first thing, in my own opinion, that stops you is your own judgment, the things that you feel. And it's unique to each individual. It's the things that you've done or that have happened to you that you evaluate and judge as significant in one form or another that prevents you from moving forward or reaching out. I eventually just got to a space where like, you know, there's, there's, there's evolution here. Like the vibrations that I'm feeling about this is not good. Like there, obviously there's technology. People are able to do this. Like, why am I resisting this so much, you know? And I just got to a point where, you know, I was like, this is like what I see myself as. And yeah, it's a desire and yeah, it's a way I want to look, but it's going to make me happier. It became a deeply personal path of self-discovery. And it did start before my divorce and then kind of culminated with the strength it took to push through that that was just God-given, like that wasn't me. You know, that was a season that I, our relationship had to endure and I would do it again with all its grief and like mess because I, I know now the other side. I usually am drawn to like feminist themes, I would say. The Barbie one, the Barbie show Life in Plastic was like strongly, strongly about body image and like how it can be damaged or upheld and how like different different things that can impact you 
mm-hmm. uh, and your body image as you develop as you're young. Joan of Arc, I think, was in, like very much inspired by this like story of like you know a woman who has to like let go of everything that like defines you as a woman in order to like lead men. And then the most recent show, which is Tentacles, was much more about like women's sexuality and like how what's a sort of idea of like feminine sexuality, women, and and more like the idea of like women as being treated as objects or women, you know, having agency in their own sexuality through the lens of tentacles. I was like, okay, I'll play a role. And the role was Chantel, but I sucked. I really sucked. Nobody wanted to employ my services. And I had put lipstick on and tried to make myself look this way. And I remember a moment like after, and there's like men coming through consistently. There's like 50 men I'd met and not one of them said me. I was like, well, why isn't this working? And I thought, well, I'm trying to be something I'm not. So I wiped the lipstick off and I'm just going to go out there. And I just said to this guy, he told me he was new. He'd never been into a brothel. He just, or he'd had his wife had blessed him a year ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've never done this before. And I laughed. I said, neither have I. Like I said, <laughs> I'm so brand new to this. I don't even know if I can go upstairs and do what you want. Like I said, I don't know. Like, and he booked me. And the funny thing is, There was no sex with that man. That man just laid there and cried his eyes out. Logically and consciously, I rejected all spirituality for a long time because my upbringing was so traumatic. And that's kind of, that was where my whole association with spirituality was. It's like, it's this trauma, it's this way of controlling people. It's, you know, manipulative and just not at all something I was okay with. So I was like, nope, screw it. I'm going hard into science and mm. that's where I'm going to find my focus. And then realize there's still all of that dogma in science too. And yeah, like, yeah. so it's like, got to just create my own path, I guess. <laughs> Having used anger to overcome fear in the past, and that was the way out of, of getting past fear. What I'll also say is that there's a, A through line, there's a a decision to pursue authenticity over um, periods of uncertainty, which means that I would rather be afraid of what's going to happen to me next than not doing something that I thought was worth my while in the time I've given in the body and life I have. Having been close to death on more than one occasion, I am very aware of how precious time is and even if I'm wasting it attempting to figure out what to do next while I'm wasting it I'm doing something else I did not believe that life could ever compensate me for what I've been through and I held a very deep bitterness and a a confusion a frustration and I you know over the last year I'm gonna say it was towards the end of 2019 I kind of began to be able to journey out of that with meditation. It's like been a lifesaver for me. So, you know, even though there was no turnaround during that time for me financially or physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, through meditation Mm -hmm. and being willing to explore the depths of me and allow my own voice to rise to where I could hear it. Yeah. And Electra, the reason for the lightning brain, at birth, her mother is struck and killed by a lightning bolt, and the lightning bolt rewires Electra's neural circuits in her brain and ultimately her DNA. This is not science fiction. I know enough about 
I've read enough about the neuroscience to know our brain is an electrochemical computer. Electra is exceptional, but she's not a superwoman. She can't leave over tall buildings at a single bound, but she's a riveting, strong character. Well, we're still authentic by uncovering what a personal brand is. You know, I'm not a big fan of the phrase building a personal brand mm -hmm. because that sounds like an artificially created construct. Right. The brand is within you. The goal is to pull it out. Who are you authentically? What are your core values? What makes you unique? What is your brand story that's different than unique? Pulling out all those things. What are the things you want to be talking about? What is authentic again to you? Once all that is built, all of those different aspects and concepts, then you take that and create, a, a, could be a social media plan, but could be just a marketing plan that communicates who you are at scale. But first it's figuring out who you are. Building a personal brand and covering a personal brand is an exercise in introspection. And a lot of people don't like that. It's so important like to have gone so many years without that in my life and now to see the change where I do have that in my life. It is so important for us to have something that, is, that we're passionate about, that lights us up, that, you know, is something we can share with the world. And for so many that, you know, their career, their, you know, job does not do that for them. So even though someone might say that, well, my passion lights me up, but it's not important to the world. If it lights you up, it is important, period, end of sentence. <laughs> because those are the type of people we need in the world. You know, how different would our world be if everyone was right. focusing on what brought them joy and passion instead of just, you know, making money or living a specific type of life that they were told to live. So I knew I wanted to work with entrepreneurs and just so that they could have the courage and the confidence to show up and shine their light in the world. And the other crucial piece is understand that you are already divine consciousness. You're not becoming divine consciousness. You're not becoming more divine. You're already all that is. So the trick is not to try to get anywhere, but to unget. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> really, it's to stop trying to achieve this thing and really just settle into where you are. And when you settle into that, you will know your divinity. I was so afraid of failing because I'd already failed for those first years and something that everyone thought I was going to be a professional at. I was too afraid to take those steps and do something new and try something and fail again. Mm -hmm. So uh, that closed definitely my childhood and my 20s. Like it closed the whole chapter and I'm finally being able to start anew, reinvent myself, or maybe just learn and grow. I'm finally able to grow. All within me all right. within me. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's like, I always try to bring it, try to make it more universal, you know, and not just about me, but like, I think for some reason, it was important to me and maybe still is like, you know, where exactly do I fit into the world? Who am I exactly? And, um, but I think I'm just getting more comfortable with everyone's living their own life and focused on their own lives anyway. And I am very comfortable for the most part with who I am now and all my shades right. and as you, as you probably are. And we're, you know, there's no, luckily we went through those earlier struggles as opposed to now. I started feeling the power of Italian and it's uh, really discipline and it's just intelligence of organization. Mm -hmm. and, and once you understand that that's where the power of culture is in that, that kind of organized, the pre very precise, very definitive language, you know? Italian is a very legalistic language. So 
you know, like the way even Romans talk, they communicate, it's very precise. And that's a, mis there a lot of misconceptions about Italian culture is that, right? It's very light, it's very mm -hmm. chaotic, it's very uh, uh, eccentric. But in a way, uh, that kind of eccentricity is the exhaust. Right. So whatever's happening, and that's why I, that's why I watch the news these days. Right. For a long time, I didn't watch the news, but now I want to know what triggers me because mm. I, then I can heal at a deeper level. So I will notice how I'm feeling about anything that's happening outside of me, because my part in that is how I feel, and I have control over how I feel. I can feel those feelings, and I can let that energy pass through because then I can be at peace with whatever happens around me. That nonviolent Jesus, that radical, yeah. that prophetic voice, that person who was in, in contact with his source in a way that was like, we can be human in a different way. We can be human in a new way. We can be human in a way that stands against empire and those forces that dehumanize. And we can hang out with like the people who are completely fucked up, right? Like, doesn't you know, like, you know, I, I thought growing up that you had to be like surrounded by all the people who had their shit together and had like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh-uh, no, 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 that's not the Jesus way. He was with the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the, you know, anybody who had, had, a, had a, an openness. The table is open. I'm going to get to the bottom of that and see what's underneath that anger because there's always something underneath it right? Sadness, hurt, whatever. And, and be able to understand these emotional, these, these emotions that come up. And I think that's the emotional tolerance we get to, we get to work with men on. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's, it's a trust and a timing that starts to happen. There's an issue, an initiation we get to kind of eventually take them through because I think in society today, men's initiations are, are missing, there's something that we haven't gotten. We, nobody told us how you, now you're coming to be from a boy to a man, you know, right. Judaism ki kind of has it. Um, but there's really something, something special when, when we can go through our, our hero's journey, so mm -hmm. to speak, and really understand what our role is. Cause what we're seeing in leadership today in the world and in this country and in these corporations and government is not what leadership is supposed to be. And I just laid down and took a quick little nap and I was awakened by the feeling of somebody hugging me and I rolled over and standing in front of me was my grandmother and I was asleep, but I was aware I was asleep. So it was a lucid dream and she didn't talk. She just looked at me with this knowing look. And then I heard the words get to work. And it was so strong and I felt it almost as though she was putting her arms on my shoulders and squeezing me, like get to work mm. now. <laughs> More importantly, just see how it fits for you as an individual in this moment in time with the sort of life you're living. And that's what's so profound when you're really doing that, it is very much sort of transforming you. So a lot of things that I do, go very much against the grain of everyone doing anything about China, because it's like, I'm here talking about crazy spiritual stuff and all this and transforming yourself when often it's just like a way to feel empowered. Oh, it's a big conflict or, oh, I want to know about this big country because it makes me feel 
powerful or this is how I'll defeat this and we'll be better and all this kind of stuff that kind of float around a more political military type circle. But the, the real question is more about what it is doing to you as a person, right? right? And that's it. So if you're really confronting it, really confronting a real civil, I mean, China's the best thing to call it as a civilization because it's a difficult state. Like it's a, had a rough history with being a nation state to say the least. So it's a civilization. So it's like, well, when you're confronting some civilization, it's a profound sort of thing. So I remember even thinking like, what would I call this book? And I thought, you know, rocks, roots, and rattlesnakes, that's perfect, you know, because that's what you're looking at all the time. <laughs> so you don't trip and hurt yourself, break an ankle or whatever. I mean, you're always looking for the next rock and avoiding the roots. And certainly in the afternoon, in the summertime, you're looking for rattlesnakes on every step of the way. So I thought, well, that's perfect. You know, that's exactly, that exactly described, you know, what my focus is nearly the whole time on the trail. In all Ukraine, there is a real world that I could never imagine I'm going to see it in my life. It's, it's more horrible than all these movies, um, documentaries. That's why when they say when you meditate and keep your body completely still, I know there's, there's times when your eyebrow itches or, <laughs> you know, that, that, but you should try and strive to keep it perfectly still. You know, be still and know that I am God. You know, that's just no more profound truth than that, really. And that's, like you said, the inner voice. It's not even as if... At times, yeah, it may manifest as if like it uses thoughts to communicate to you, but really that inner intelligence, it doesn't use words. That stillness speaks to you in a very different way. Yeah. You know, you just know things without knowing how you know, you know, and that's just an, um, another profound thing that I've realized. And, and, and also in a way that feels authentic, because when it's coming from your body and when you have a certain type of energy behind, you know, that you're moving in your body, then that the ways in which you can reach people or people can feel what it is that you're feeling. You know that as a performer, you go out there and you swing for the fences, right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't take that shallow bunt just to get on base. You want to perform the best you can possibly do, regardless of how you feel that day. You know, the, mm -hmm. the old performers adage, the show must go on. I, 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 I totally live by that which is I've, I've done total uh, presentations sick as a dog mm -hmm. and yeah. they didn't know it, you know, because show must go on. Okay. Why? Because that's part of my core brand identity. In relation to soul loss, you know, you, you can always go through shamanic rituals to address soul loss, right? But the other thing is that there are many ways to, to heal yourself. Right. And so, yes, mm -hmm. there's, there's the whole shamanic ceremony of soul retrieval that is one way in. But at the same time, things like you know, psychotherapy, lifestyle changes, dealing with all these things and even um, and even conventional Western culture type ways uh, has that effect as well, because you're just you know, you're healing your soul, healing your psyche and, and making things prepared for for regaining your whole self. Where we were like, no, I don't accept that outcome. And we pushed and we got it. Everybody has something like, and that's the formula. That's how you gotta get it. But you gotta recognize that because when a door slams, it's going to hurt. That door slamming on your face hurts. I, I saw that it was like, 
man, this is the dream. This is this is who I am, and this is something that I can do <laughs> for a living. So I put like all my efforts in in doing that. It's not the talent that's my gift. It's the voice that's my gift. So what am I going to do with that gift? I did. I, okay, I don't need to use it to sing, but I can use it to do something else. And then when I self-realized that I had all these amazing genius zones that I could do with ease and grace, when I could merge that together and overlay my natural state of being, my gifts, my talents, my value system, what I stood for, uh, I was able to solve uh, a problem. And I think that when I got to that point, then I was ready to let go of um, one of my mentors, which was the philosopher, because I then could see the the trajectory of my life. I knew mm. that coaching was where I was going to be because that was my strength. That was my love. And, you know, and, and, and working one-on-one with humans is where my genius zone is. That's what I thrive. And so I pursued that. The astrology chart to me is the map of who you are that if you are so one with the universe and one with the planets then it would have its stamp on you and the astrology chart is the human's way of trying to put into graphical terms what that stamp is when you come into this world you are born at a time that will never be repeated All of the stuff out there will never be in that place again. Similar to you never put your foot in the same river. It's always changing because the water is always flowing. So that map, that chart is a graphical way of trying to explain it. And I love seeing people do that. And, you know, living up to your potential, it doesn't mean you have to go cure cancer. You know, you could could just uh, mentor some kids or be a good mom or help a friend in need or take care of a sick relative or whatever, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be something that changes the entire world. You know, it could just change one person and, and that's enough. And it was so magical and amazing. And it was, I think the first time I ever felt the feeling of like, it feels like there's golden or white mm-hmm. energy bouncing around the room by the end of the day because of the shift, because of how much fun I was having. And that's the feeling of doing your soul work yeah. and the transformation. So it's the voice of wisdom. It's the, it's the universal language. And that's why you support arts. And that's why you, you're not playing. I, I talked about the plumber first. Nobody donates a million dollars to a plumber, but they donate a million dollars to a museum and they don't know why. And see, this is our job. So, because I talked to a person that made a museum for $80 million, you know, and I said, why did you do that? He couldn't tell me. He said, oh, this was such a great period. I need to promote that period, like very system. I mean, the couple didn't, couldn't, and couldn't know. They, they acted unconsciously, but they didn't know why they got so much money for art versus they gave money to the plumbers union. You know, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to put plumbers down, but I'm saying you, the people we do, we totally unconsciously interact with something that is so inherent in us, which is art. Oh, my name is my teacher. 
because I was not a joyful person. I mean, I changed the spelling from J-O-Y to J-O-I-E in my high school French class because it was just too much pressure to have the name J-O-Y. I couldn't relate to it. I felt like a phony. And even in my journey of learning how to be more emotionally connected, feeling joy was difficult. You know, being happy was never my goal, being fulfilled, fulfilling my my potential and feeling, experience fulfillment. That was always my goal. But happiness would be nice, you know. But when I got the joy, it was like, oh, I have to train myself to feel the vibration mm. because it's expansive. Mm-hmm. Which is basically my body's way of saying, hey, you're in the wrong environment and you're not using your voice. And so really everything that I teach now has come through my own personal lived experience. Um, And I am very fortunate that my connection with my guides allows me to be really in the moment with people and bring through what is most needed for them. And the tools can vary from moment to moment. But a huge tenet of my work in this lifetime, at least at this point, is to bring forward the inner child in everyone and help them to reconnect to not only you know, and work through the trauma and the unhealed things, but also to reconnect to the healed inner child that is there underneath all of those layers of trauma and programming and is really our connection to source and intuition and our joy and our light and all of those amazing things that we want in this world. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.